Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. This was straight up felony criminal conduct. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. Getty. Live from Studio C. C, senor. Dimly lit room, deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, on Little Wednesday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Little Wednesday. Carmen Best. Seattle Chief of Police. Now come that is our general manager? She just quit. And to my mind, that is one of the, uh, the major signs of a coming, well, a growing rift between uh, police forces and Democrat mayors in very blue cities. There are other examples. Uh, the uh, police in L.A. just told Mayor Garcetti, we're not enforcing your turning off the electricity and water to party houses thing. That's not the cop's job. You want to do that, send civilians. Wow. There is a real split growing. I, I can't believe the Portland PD still shows up for work. I mean, we've been familiar with the problems in the San Francisco Police Department for, for ages. They barely coexist with the government. Yeah, and then the uh, the top cop in Chicago, not blasting the city, but blasting the so-called protesters, saying this is not an organized protest. This was an incident of pure criminality, right? an act of violence. Well, and the way, way, way left mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, was forced to agree, more or less. Today is a watershed day, really is, on Nakedly Progressive Radio, which I flipped to, they led with, and I couldn't believe it, it was the Armstrong and Getty show two and a half months ago, with, it's important to call activities during a protest what they are. There's protesting, then there's rioting, and there's looting. And I thought, oh, welcome to the party. Thanks for the tutorial on the breakdown of those differences. The very distortions and lies you've been participating in for the last couple of months, you've just figured out. That's charming. We've got like a third of a bottle of wine and a bowl of chips left. The party's been going on for quite some time, but at least they're here. We've got some great tape from the Chicago rioting. People finally saying who they are and what they're about. $60 million worth of damage done in Chicago in just a couple of days. That's a lot. By criminals and Marxists. Um, So where are we on football? Uh, Are there other uh, conferences that have bailed now? I saw the Big Ten was was likely to announce. They were having a meeting late night morning. Yeah, and they're meeting again, I think, this morning. It's not official yet. But all the the signs are pointing that direction, aren't they? Canceling. Division one college football, which if you don't live somewhere where it's big, it is huge <laughs> in places where it's big. Well, and back to the topic of the tape we have that you will enjoy or be enlightened by. There are a couple of college football coaches making very strong cases that the safest place these kids can possibly be is in the football program at their school. 
Oh, uh, you got that angle of it, and then you've got the uh, you know the financial economic angle of it. If, if you're in a big oh, college nobody town, nobody would put money before health in college football. Big college town, those half dozen eight games, home games you have. How much money in hotels, bars, restaurants, all that stuff? Well, my only quibble is that wouldn't be happening anyway. I don't think they'd don't be think playing so. the games without crowds, like uh, you know soccer and golf and baseball. Yeah, if they play it at all, but they're not going to play it at all. Right, and then uh, the advertising dollars, obviously. Right. And then, uh, if you believe advertising works, and I do, particularly on radio. I'm not sure it works on television. In fact, I doubt it does, but uh, radio advertising definitely works. And then well, it's uh, like magic. And then, so all those ads that don't get run, and then the businesses don't get the customers, and it's just, I mean, it just piles on itself. Well, and listen, this is getting a little too far down this road, probably, but to your point about you know fans in the stadiums, that will be back. But if you interrupt something for a long enough time, just an amusement, a cultural you know, thing we all come together and enjoy, you, you suspend that for a year, two years, maybe longer, um, people won't all come back. Hmm. And so that college town uh, bars and restaurants thing you were talking about, hotels, et cetera, that might be hurt long term. I don't know. Hmm. No, nobody knows. Of course, why are we talking about the COVID? Russia has a, a new uh, vaccine. I heard that. Putin announced it. It's over, that. folks. Did you say, Michael, he's actually given it to his daughter? He's yeah, a, yeah, he wants to give it to his daughter. He says it's so No, safe. he has given it hey, to yeah, his daughter. That's right. She's According taking to, it. And yeah. if she says anything bad about it, she'll fall out a window. Yeah. His own daughter. So she's that's, staying away from windows and keeping her mouth shut. one of the side effects on the commercial. May, may fall from windows. <laughs> yeah, it may uh, cause you to be hurled out of a window. <laughs> um, anybody getting in line for the new Russian COVID vaccine? Go ahead. Shoot me up with uh, some of your... Siberia juice. It's mostly untested, but uh, all this testing, uh, so time consuming. <laughs> anyway, we got lots to talk about as always. Let's kick off the show by introducing everybody on the squad. Everybody. You know, as Prince once said, if you're not here to party, don't bother knocking on my door. Mm. Huh? If you're not here to Heck party, yeah. just keep on walking. Right. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, pretty good. I'm picturing that Russian vaccine consisting of, like, cookie dough, food coloring, and some sort of water, and they just mix it up and <laughs> inject it into people. Oh, food coloring would be a good way, good idea. It's got kind of a vague pink color to it. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. It's anti it's medicine, yeah, exactly. They, they have doctors in Russia, Michael. That's <laughs> insulting to the Russian people. Yeah, a bunch of the doctors fell out the window, though, a couple of, like a month ago, right? Yeah, they, well, they ought to learn to stay away from the windows. Don't talk to the press about the COVID is the lesson there. Yep. Uh, there is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. I had uh, one of the most perplexing conundrums that happens repeatedly in my life. and I, I, A I, PC, a perplexing conundrum. I, I do not really understand how this works. I just know that it is almost ubiquitous. Anytime right after I do like a big clean of my apartment, I can never find a thing. <laughs> I live in squalor for a majority of the time, and I'm never. I, I know exactly the last pile that I left something on. Sure, but as soon as I start, oh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an adult, and then it takes me thirty minutes to leave the house because where, where did I put my money clip? What, mm. where did that go? I don't get that. I'm pretty good at remembering what piles I have stuff into. Jammed like you ask him. Oh, I know it's up in that cupboard there with like fifty thousand other unrelated things into a big pile. behind the the matchboxes. <laughs> yeah, Sean, it was a number of years ago. I couldn't tell you how many that uh, it dawned on me that as I was born a, a fool, a jackass, an idiot, if you will, in in some regards, very absent-minded, that I spent most of my life trying not to be that. 
And then at some point, probably, you know, when my kids were little, I realized I'm always going to be that way. The key is to design systems to work around being an idiot. And so, yeah, just I, I'm like a, a fundamentalist religious guy about where I put my key, mm-hmm. where I put my money clip. Just it's always the same. And immediately when I walk into the house, it's, it's just got to work around being a jackass. He's a jackass. Anti-Jackassian technology. I typically have those places. Oh, yeah, it's right next to the three dishes that have been on the counter Mm. for... (laughs) But but as soon as I start putting stuff away, Mm. it's like, I don't know. And then I forget what my systems are. This is a severe case. The worst I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, August 11th, the year 2020. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, let's begin uh, searching for the keys to what's going on in the world, precisely according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go, leaping into action at Mark. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. Hey, there you go. Oh, the comedy stylings of President Ronald Reagan. <laughs> that was on uh, this day in 1984. Uh, the president was getting ready to... Uh, broadcast a speech that was not broadcast live but he was having some fun with the mic check and because it was being piped out to various radio stations people were already running tape on it so there is uh there is evidence of that joke and i guess it became somewhat of a story as it leaked out that that's what he said over the next week or so oh, yeah the soviets would have uh, been handled quite a bit differently in the modern age i'm guessing yeah where it come out on twitter or whatever Everybody made noises. Oh, inappropriate. Oh, not funny. Having read a lot about nuclear weapons in recent weeks, uh, I believe that's very close to the peak worldwide of uh, nuclear armament right there around 84 when Russians and us had the very most. And we have like a third what we had in the mid 80s. Mm -hmm. Still enough to kill every. We have have less now. Everybody does. Lots and lots. But we still have enough to kill every man, woman, and child, you know, 100 times over. Uh, feel free to search up, and we got an email from a listener uh, saying, the kids don't say Google, they say search up. Hmm. Search that up. I'll start saying that, because yeah. I hate promoting Google. Oh, because they're evil? <laughs> uh, uh, search up SALT treaty or START treaty. You'll learn about uh, nuclear arms reduction. Um, How does mail bag look? Oh, please, it's outstanding. It, it contains little bits of wisdom like the one I just shared. It's it's a uh, can't miss <laughs> nuggets like that. Oh, lots and lots of nuggets. Wow, that good, huh? Hot and cold freaking nuggets. Look at MSNBC. Biden closing in on running mate choice. If you <laughs> if you spend your day watching that, you deserve what you get. That's what I say. What am I getting? <laughs> a wasted life. That's what you're getting. Yeah, take that. And you deserve it. Good lord. <laughs> He's closing in, is he? He ought to be. <laughs> He's closing in on the big, uh, you know. The big nap is what he's closing in on. I'm I'm, I'm closing in. Taking a nap. Don't rush me. Anyway, more on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. If you live somewhere where your kids aren't allowed to go to school, you got to be asking your county health uh, person, how come New Yorkers are going to school? How come Floridians are going to school? They have it terrible there. Right. Why are we not going to school? Right. Ask the hard questions. As if you can really get a hold of them anyway. 
Depending on your state, your representative might represent 5,000 people or 500,000. Mailbag. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from the great H.L. Mencken. The most dangerous man to any government is the man who's able to think things out. Back in the day, you see, they didn't worry about what women thought, so I apologize for his outdated (laughs) phraseology. Anyway, it's the person who's able to think things out. Without regard to the prevailing superstitions and taboos, almost inevitably, they come to the conclusion that the government they live under is dishonest, insane, intolerable. So true. That guy's got a lot of quotes. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's a quote machine. You could do what they did in Lebanon, where the entire government just resigned yesterday. I don't know exactly how that works. (laughs) Yeah, well, Who are they mad at? We'll talk about that more later. (laughs) Okay, uh, moving along. I'm sorry. I'm reading more H.L. Mencken quotes to myself. Uh, Yet another COVID email from Matt. Beautiful Lincoln, California. The thing that is frustrating to me about the no one should die from COVID movement is that they never quantify what an acceptable level of deaths would be. In the U.S., we average over 1% of the population dying every year, which equates to at least 3.3 million over nine or over 9,000 per day. We would have to double the current death count to add 10% to this year's average expected amount. So my question is, if we do all these shutdowns, spend trillions of dollars, would we do it if deaths might increase by 7%, 5%, 2%? Where are the goalposts now? I don't want to lose my grandparents or parents, but none of us are going to live forever, and I think politicians should inform people of the risks and then let us go about our lives, rather than seeing themselves as technocrats who need to coddle and protect us. We got into that discussion late in the show yesterday. Maybe I'll bring that up again after the commercial break, the little thought experiment of uh, basically coming off a tweet. What if we could just save 99%? Because that's easily what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, More on that later. Yep. Um, let's see, Kathy, Kathy solved the riddle. Congratulations, Kathy. Against my better judgment, she writes, I decided to read comments on a Facebook article, and someone made an excellent post, uh, a point. He said that they believe Biden will serve for at least two years before he steps down. 22nd Amendment says a candidate may be elected twice unless they serve two years or more of another president's term. So if Biden steps down a couple of months in and his Veep takes over, they can run once more. But if he holds out for two years in a day, his Veep can run two more times. Uh, it's a possibility. Keep up the good work. You keep up the good work, Kath. Uh, <laughs> if, I think that's nailed. At the two-year mark of the Biden presidency, if he gets elected, obviously, uh, he resigns. If Trump were younger and he loses, I would think the very Trumpy move would be to continue to do rallies, gather his forces, and run again. Wow. If he were younger. If yeah. he were younger. Yeah. And, 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 and perhaps pull it off. Um, but he's too old. Although he's, you know, not by Biden's terms. <laughs> when was not by the, Biden's uh, standards? Grover Cleveland did that, right? He served two non-consecutive yeah. terms. Yeah. Uh, J.Q. Adams was he a one-term guy? That yes, yes, matter. he was. What What are we over here? A history book? Uh, let's see. Oh, just a quick note from uh, Garrick. He saw. Well, he sent along a deep fake video of the action star John Wick. Whose act I do not know. I assume it's like the other action stars, more or less. Uh, it's a character Keanu Reeves play, the John Wick movies. Right, yeah. fine. Um, but they had him fighting with lightsabers, even though he never fought with any lightsabers in any of his movies. And Garrick made the point that it looks so real, I could see someone framing someone with a gun in their hand. We live in interesting times, gentlemen. We've talked about speech mostly right. in these deep fake videos, have people saying things that are horrific, but 
you could have them doing something terrible. If you're the sort that doesn't trust the cops, videos where the cops put the gun in the guy's hand. Right, right. Yeah. For the video. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, and um, Al Anonymous is uh, is with us on making the shining of lasers into um, a cop's eyes or anybody's eyes a felony. It's an attempted blinding. Is there something more worthy of felony status than intentionally trying to blind someone? Uh, Al writes, these lasers, which, of course, you know, Jack, is light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation, Mm. being used by protesters are incredibly powerful. Lawfully, in many countries and states, your standard laser pointer has to be less than five milliwatts. These are the lasers we're familiar with. Uh, some of the ones being used on officers are 1.5 watts or 1,500 megawatts. Can you just buy those anywhere? Or milliwatts, I was, I was watching the videos and the, the beam coming out of those things, the distance and the brightness yeah. is amazing. These are Class 4 lasers. They're typically used in CNC machining and engraving. There is no Class 5. These are incredibly powerful. They can cause vision damage Vision damage, if you merely look at the dot, the direct beam will cause immediate permanent damage oh. to the vision faster than a person can blink or look away. Oh, and can you just buy these? Or? Who, where are the legislators who will make this a felony? Sign the bill. We will promote it for you. We'll make you a hero among uh, law-abiding citizens. Shining lasers in people's eyes, especially cops, should be a felony. Well, and you can do it so, from so far away. Right. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There is something ironic that Joe Biden is the one looking for a running mate with zero flaws. I don't know, guys. I don't know if she'll work. She said the wrong thing one time 10 years ago. And if I know all black people, they won't like that. <laughs> that was one of the controversies from last week, which we haven't talked about. Mm. Um, coming up, we'll be talking about Chicago and what's going on there, because that's a dang interesting story. I'd say the even the far-left government of Chicago is being forced to call what is, is. And that's criminality, looting. It's not protesting. So uh, somebody uh, tweeted this out, and uh, I thought it was an interesting thought experiment, a, a different way to look at the uh, whole disease. So um, anyone else think it's weird that we freaked out to such an extreme level over a disease with a 99% survivability rate? If you uh, look at it one way, you could say, well, 99% of the people who get this thing are not going to die. So if that's the case... Do you cripple the economy to the tune of $9 trillion worth of damage? Some people's lives are never the same. Kids don't go to school for a year or more. Who knows what kind of long-lasting effects that's going to have, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. And it almost certainly you would say no, I think. You, you flip it around and you do the math. If everybody in America got it, um, you'd have 3,280,000 people dead. And a lot of people damaged, though they did not die with heart um, problems, lung problems. And that would sound like a really big number, and you might think, well, you'd do a lot of stuff to save three million people from Mm -hmm. dying. Right. How about if we could save half of those people from dying? How much expense would we go to? Um, What if that first half was the cheap half, the easy half? Just keep the, uh, the oldsters protected, the vulnerable protected. That'd probably be a pretty easy decision. 
But if you're going to be rational about it, okay, how about the next 10%? How expensive in terms of other lives, not to mention the economics and, and the kids' well-being, how expensive would that be? I, I, so I would guess that by the time you got to that very last 10%, where you're just trying to prevent all cases, no matter what, everybody would decide, well, most of those people are going to be perfectly fine anyway, and that last 10% is going to be incredibly damaging. So, no, we, we can't do that. It's pretty hard-hearted, I realize, but you could look at two events in the last 20 years. 9-11 killed 3,000 people, and we spent... How many trillion dollars we spend to avoid that ever happening again? Many trillions of dollars. Many, many trillions of dollars were spent on that. Right. And then this ends up being 200,000 people die for $9 trillion? Mm-hmm. Can you can you do that as a society? Can you be that careful about lives? I'm not sure you can. No, no. And again, what's interesting slash incredibly frustrating is that the discussion is held as if it's an A-B choice. You can either let all those people die or you can prevent every single case. And there's no middle ground. Sort of similar with the terrorism. And you can either, uh, you know, have a dirty bomb in whatever city, or make sure not one human being is ever killed by terrorists at whatever cost it takes. Right. Right. What if we just try to prevent the 30% of cases that are most dangerous? How have we not heard a single governor say that? So if we just saved almost everyone, one Twitter uh, person uh, responded, yeah, that's what's going to happen. We're going to save almost everyone if you did practically nothing. Right. Right. That's, it's being uh, what we're again, I think this gets to our lack of rationality as a people. We're comparing the number of people we can save against the covid never being here. And and we consider any covid death, uh, you know, a, a tragedy and we should have avoided it. And I'm not going to be cold-hearted about it or say uh, well, I'll just say what I'm going to say. We have to accept it's here, and given the fact that it's here, and a certain number of people are going to die, the question is, how much do we spend in money, damage, uh, effect on kids, other deaths from heart disease, etc.? How much are we willing to spend to limit the spread and damage of the COVID? I haven't noodled this through completely. I don't know where I am on it, but <clears throat> it seems like an overreaction given the fact that 99% of people will survive it. And I also think if the government said, look, here's the deal. Only 1% of the population is likely to die for this. We can't shut down our whole economy and grind to a halt Mm -hmm. to make sure nobody dies. For one thing, too many people would die. So be careful out there. Think how careful people would be. Mm -hmm. Personal responsibility. Everybody would be way more careful with the masks and everything else and where they go. Right. It's just there's no cost-benefit analysis. It's just benefit analysis. Yeah. And, and, and what's especially tragic about that, and most of you are hip to this because we've said it 37 times, is that the costs include people dying for other reasons because of the COVID shutdown. Suicides, violence, overdose, despair, non, not getting your cancer screening, not getting your heart condition treated. People are, and it could be, we find out, that we'd lost 1.3 people for every one person we saved. And then we'll be feeling pretty dumb. 
Although the media will never cover it like that because mm. they, they have no time for nuance or you know anything more complicated than good thing or bad thing. I'm interested in what you think of that. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. Indeed. Uh, when we come back, let's see, what do I have that's short here? Because I want to come back and, and go big on the situation in Chicago. Um, oh, speaking of the vid, you might find this interesting. Uh, Liam was uh, clicking around some old podcasts just for chuckles. And he came across the uh, the episode where our beloved and sainted newsman, Marshall Phillips, came back for a chat on January the 29th. Mm. We were talking about his new life in retirement, the impeachment trials, and the novel coronavirus. The impeachment trial, geez, that seems like five years ago. Yeah, that's, one of, that's actually one of Liam's points. But um, n- nobody had yet died of the vid in the United States. Here are some January comments and predictions from the A&G crew. Marshall said... Well, I got to tell you, the thing I'm most worried about is the coronavirus because it's impacted the markets. But I keep thinking, God, if this thing gets too big, man, oh, man, that's going to have a devastating effect on the economy. Potentially, I responded hesitantly. Then I guess I said, I don't know who gives you your financial advice, Marshall, but it seems clear to me that you need to get out of equities and into backyard gold. With all the uncertainty, you need gold bars. <laughs> Since Joe's prediction, gold is up nearly 30%. Ah, if only people had listened to Joe. If only I'd listened to me. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> then, Jack, you said, there's a decent chance in my mind that we have our first coronavirus death this weekend, two days before we get our first witness in the impeachment trial with the Iowa caucuses on Monday. Jeez. And that, that was kind of the beginning of this insane news cycle. Yes. That weekend. First corona death, Iowa caucuses and impeachment. Right. Holy crap. And that kicked off the weirdest year of everybody's life. Then George Floyd's murder, yeah. the heightened tensions with the U.S. and China. Simon Cowell falls off his bike. Uh, um, and I believe you made the suggestion that uh, nobody would pay much attention to the, the corona thing because of the impeachment, et cetera. So uh, we were prescient. We had one good day, apparently. Mm-hmm. One quick thing I'll do, because I know we got to get to the Chicago stuff. We went uh, gluten-free at my house a couple weeks ago, so we're getting rid of all of our food that has gluten. So, Sean, I brought this in for you. It is a eight-pound box of spaghetti. Oh, oh perfect. You want this? What yeah, a lovely I, gift. I don't have to go to the grocery store now. This is great. <laughs> this is a very heavy box of spaghetti. Oh. Well, and, and spaghetti <laughs> will keep roughly forever. Oh, yeah. Eight-pound box of spaghetti. I, yeah, this is this is fantastic. <laughs> Even if spaghetti did turn funky, how do you fix it? How do you how do you uh, cook it? You boil it. Exactly, it'd be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, put eat, enough uh, tomato sauce on there. It's all good. Eat that in a hundred years. What is that yeah. animal crawling across the green fuzz? Well, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to boil it anyway. <laughs> uh, things are crazy in Chicago. They're not giving it much coverage on MSNBC or CNN. <laughs> Hardly any. And uh, what's happening is extremely notable because to the extent that it is being covered or discussed by lefty politicians, they're finally forced to be honest. That shocking honesty is coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This had nothing to do with legitimate, protected First Amendment um, expression. These were not poor people engaged in petty theft to feed themselves and their families. This was straight up 
felony criminal conduct. That's Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, responding to the violence and looting. Over Happy the to hear that. Past couple of nights. It is striking as she is a far left Black Lives Matter supporter type of person who's been calling the violence, the pulling down of statues, the hurling rocks at police. She's been calling that protesting all along and refusing to make the distinction between criminality and and legitimate First Amendment protest. But now, for whatever reason, she's flipped the switch, which is very revealing. Has everybody caught on to the fact that they're doing harm to their own cause? Is that what they've caught on to? I wonder. I also think, though she is left of Trotsky, she is of the older generation of liberals. Um, I don't think she's an avowed Marxist, although she leans way that way. But the current crop are too much for her. Let's let's play one more clip from Lori Lighthouse, number 44, and then we'll move. People who engage in this kind of criminal activity, they need to be held accountable. And we can't do it alone. We need the prosecution and we need the courts to step up and do their part as well. And that is certainly my hope and my expectation. I'm astounded. Just yesterday, Ted Wheeler of Portland said practically the same thing. I, I think I think they realize that, look, we care about uh, a bunch of lefty policies, and these people are making it impossible that we ever get our way. Right. Impossible. Right. So what do they want, the Black Lives Matter people, who big corporations have been sending zillions of dollars to? Mostly for virtue signaling reason. Well, Chicago Black Lives uh, Matter organizer Ariel Atkins... Uh, went ahead and said exactly how she feels about all of it. Clip 40. My people are struggling. People in this city are struggling through a pandemic. So I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That makes sure that that person can make some kind of money because this city obviously doesn't care about them. Not only that, that's reparations. You're going to eat Gucci bags? I meant to point out that the first uh, Lori Lighthouse or uh, Lightfoot clip um, was a response to that, the idea that they're smashing up high-end retailers by the hundreds of people coming from all over the city was for uh, so they could feed themselves. And besides, it's reparations. Okay, fine. Let's uh, clip 41. Also, Ms. Atkins. Anything they want to take, take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. Except police, except tear gas. Okay, let's let's hear a little more and see if you still support this organization. Forty-two. We don't need them. We do not need them. The police. What do people actually need? Healthcare, healthcare, food, education, water, dignity, dignity. The right to live? Did anybody say police? No! Do they keep us safe? No! Do they keep us safe? No! Who keeps us safe? We keep us safe! Who keeps us safe? We keep us safe! Who keeps us safe? Wow, that's something. So understand now. Because I know a lot of you have seen this in various places at various times. The law does not apply to us because we've been cheated by society. If you want to smash up a store and loot it, you have that right 
Because you have the right to feed yourself with the stolen goods. And by the way, this is reparations. Specifically advocating lawlessness. That's the Chicago organizer of Black Lives Matter. You down with that? Are you really? If you want to know why it bothers me trying to watch basketball and BLM is pointing on the, uh, painted on the court, that's why, you fools. Of course, Black Lives Matter. But the organization Black Lives Matter is insidious in some cases. Some places, I'm sure it's more benign. Um, you know, it varies city to city. But the organization is founded by avowed Marxists. They want the system to break down. They're intentionally trying to start a race war. I was actually I was watching an old video from 1969 where a guy was explaining how some of the uh, the Soviet Union's uh, compromat, uh, a lot of their compromat, their uh, programs, they're trying to screw up America and the West, have to do with finding racial divisions and stoking those fires. Man, that's a strategy. It's 75 years old, and they've never stopped. But that is really something. How about that? Lori Lightfoot and Ted Wheeler saying, hey, there's protesting, but this is just lawlessness. <laughs> wow. Where have you been for the last two months? Better late than so ever, So did I they suppose. not know? Did they actually not know what was going on in their own cities? You, you certainly could not know watching from afar if you tend to be a person that watches you know, certain cable shows. And That's, takes in certain newspapers, you wouldn't know. You'd think, yeah, it's peaceful protests until Trump sent in these Trump troops and then that. But other than that, they were just people protesting. You, all, an average person, could absolutely believe that because the sure. media is so biased. But Ted Wheeler doesn't believe that. He meets with the police, you know, higher ups, or you'd, you'd hope mm. he does. Lori Lightfoot has to know it. She's the danged mayor. So, I, he, they, I, so, they, so then they thought that if they appease them a little bit, they'll. they'll They'll back off. Yeah, I think you nailed it. You just don't want to make the kids mad. So go along with them. Go to say they're right and just hope they finally go home. But they and I've said this so many times, you're trying to passive your way out of this. And I get why you want to do that. Because standing up for a bully increases violence at the beginning. Then it eliminates it down the road. But those who would be passive don't have the courage, or, or maybe they don't in good conscience think it's a good strategy to confront the bullies. But as we've been shouting, the people doing the really bad stuff are not nice black folks, or folks of color, white people, whatever, who just want civil rights for everybody. They're Marxists and anarchists. They want to overload the system, tear down the system, and rebuild it according to Marxist principles. This is not some sort of fantasy. This happens all over the earth all the time. This is how political movements work. Wake up. This country is not impregnable to maniacs. They're all over the place. You've got to, you know, Ronald Reagan said, we're never more than one generation away from losing our liberty if we take it for granted. He was 100% right. There's a video this morning from Andy No out of Portland uh, showing a street preacher, preacher getting beat down by the Antifa types. So he's a, you know, they hate religion, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's, he's on the street, uh, you know, yelling about Jesus or whatever. And uh, they show up with the umbrellas and, like, surround him so the media can't see. They've got the umbrellas, but you can kind of see him at, uh, uh, quickly end up on the ground so you can see him around their legs. And he's getting kicked and pummeled by these dudes. Yeah. So 
In a city like Portland, a bunch of people show up and beat down a guy street preaching, and it just happens. Yeah. And nobody does anything about it, and nobody the police it. don't do it, and nobody covers it in the news. Yep. If Andy No wasn't putting it on his Twitter feed, you wouldn't know it even happened. Right. It's, I, I didn't think that was possible in the United States. I really didn't think that could happen in the United States. We're an inch away from serious bombings, because they've already thrown explosives at the cops. But we're an inch away from serious bombings and assassinations from the left. It's extraordinary. It's a, it's a very good step that the uh, the lefty leaders of lefty cities have recognized, okay, there's no appeasing these people, and they're damaging our liberal cause. So yeah. we got to be on the right side of this. It is a major moment and a good one. Absolutely. It's, it's good only my pettiness that uh, I, I can't believe you were willfully ignoring what was so clearly true for as long as you've been. No, that's awesome. We could be days or weeks away from Obama, Biden, everybody calling these people out, I hope. Oh, hallelujah. And that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The sun peeking up over the horizon. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, you can look at it half full glass or half half empty glass. Oh, the famous, the famous Tanya Harding. I was looking at you it can, half full. You can look at it half glass full or half glass empty. Exactly. And I was looking at it half glass full. Good boy. Yeah, way to you. go. Sorry, that sounded like you're a dog. I apologize for that. It's not what I meant. Good man. Well done, sir. The other big story of the decade, one president spying on another deserves another look. Armstrong and Getty.